Hello and welcome to the Berman Hour podcast. I am your host, Jeff Berman, and I have a different type of podcast episode for you today. I have done this intro countless times trying to get this right, and I'm just going to go for it now. So, unfortunately, my father, Eric Berman, passed away on Sunday, March 27th, after a long fight with cancer. Either it was that or he waited until we all left the room and he was actually summoned to the Chicago Cubs spring training. One of the two happened. Not really sure which. I guess we'll find out when uh, the Cubbies start playing their regular season. But needless to say, uh, I've been trying to find the right words I normally don't open up this much on the podcast, nor do I open up that much personally on my social media or on any Divided Heaven accounts, but uh, I I did a little bit, and with this episode, I'm going to pull the curtain back a little bit and uh, give everyone who maybe knows my dad or never met my dad a little bit of a taste of what he was like and a little bit of his background. My dad had a background in broadcasting, like I did. He went to the University of Wyoming in the 60s, so shout out to Laramie, Wyoming. And while at the University of Wyoming, he helped launch and establish the student-run radio station, which began as KUWR and has since grown and developed into Wyoming Public Radio. So last year... A day before my son, Thaddeus, and my dad's grandson was born, actually, my dad and I sat down and we recorded a interview uh, and a testimonial about his experience at the radio station, what it was like, a little bit of the shenanigans. And so I thought, what better way to honor my dad and uh, remember him on this podcast then with this interview and, and testimonial, neither are very long, uh, but they, they mean a lot to me, so I, I wanted to share them with you. It's been a lot of fun uh, the past two years interviewing people um, from all walks of life, mostly from music. It's been a lot of fun diving into the, the uh, you know my new record, Oblivion, and the people that I worked with. I've been doing a lot of podcasts around that recently, and... You know, obviously when something like this happens, it's hard to kind of keep a regular schedule and and to keep to what you had planned. And so I'm just kind of saying, fuck it, forget the plans. I'm taking some downtime. And I wanted to share a little bit about my dad and honor him with uh, sharing these wonderful stories and this cute little interview. So I hope that you enjoy it. Uh, if you know me personally and you reached out, I greatly appreciate it. I'm having trouble responding to everybody. But yes, uh, Eric Berman, my father, 1944 to 2022. Uh, he lived many lives in his lifetime. And um, like all of us, uh, a complicated person, 
uh, but a great person and a great father and someone who always told me that I was loved, which I greatly appreciated. Okay. Thanks, y'all. Enjoy this uh, interview and testimonial with my dad, Mr. Eric Berman. The first thing I want to ask is what was your draw to radio? Just being on stage, being front and center, that was my personality, uh, the stand-up comedian that I became was very gratifying. I've spent my, in, my entire life being funny. I like to make people laugh, and that gives me great, great joy. You're of the age that you were around before television was commonplace in every American household, but can you remember some specific episodic cultural moments that you experienced listening on the radio? Oh, yes. Like Viv- what? Vivid. We had a home in Michigan, a summer home, and we would drive from Chicago to Michigan, but we would always drive back on Sunday night, and radio was king. And I remember Burns and Allen, Amos and Andy, was very popular program. Yes, I have, I have vivid Memories, uh, I remember the Lone Ranger on the radio as a youngster. And those programs were crafted beautifully, and uh, radio was, was king. Right. You mentioned previously that you, you were sought after, sought out to be a personality on KUWR in Laramie, Wyoming. Did you have an interest in doing a radio show yourself before they came to you? No. And was that, was that your freshman year of college? No, it was my first year of graduate school. Okay. Okay. My first year of graduate school, I was 22 years old. I was intrigued. It it scared me because I had never been on the radio. I didn't have a license radio telephone operator's license, which I eventually got. But broadcasting, I was smitten by broadcasting. And when I graduated, I zeroed in on a career in broadcasting. And I ended up working for WFIL Radio Television in Philadelphia. They were the flagship ABC affiliate in Philadelphia. I spent two and a half years working for that company. And I essentially got broadcasting out of my, my system. Uh, here I am, a, a, a master's degree in communications and economics, and I was earning $105 a week. And I finally segued from the broadcast career into corporate America, where I spent my career. Well, let's go back a little bit to what the culture and life was like at KUWR. Can you speak a little bit to the technology 
that you would use at the time? Because it's probably foreign to listeners and, and people experienced with radio today. I don't know. We were in the Tower of the Student Union. Uh, it was a space that at one point was part of the medical system. Uh, we had state-of-the-art equipment. Uh, we had two Ampex tape recorders. Uh, we had two oversized turntables. And it was state-of-the-art equipment uh, for that time. Mm-hmm. What was your role at the station and how long, what was your duration? How long were you there? I was there on and off for three years. It took three years to get my master's degree. The first year, KUWR was on the air. The first year that KUWR was on the air, I was there the entire year. The second year, there was an AM station. There were two AM stations in Laramie. One was KLME. Horse Tooth Broadcasting. <laughs> and it was an AM station, and I had a board shift on that. And again, I became a late-night personality on the AM station. And I had a nice following, and it was fun. It was a, it was a lot of fun. What are your lasting memories of Laramie at that point in time? in the mid to late 60s? Well, the city of Laramie was somewhat provincial. Uh, It was a very nice bedroom community that was a great place to to go to school. There were no fine restaurants. That was unheard of. But we had some good, you know, what do you know about food when you're 22, 23 years old? Uh, The thing that's most vivid to me about Laramie was the weather. Just incredible swings in weather. And the wind blowed every day. It was calm in the morning, 10 o'clock in the morning, the wind would start to blow. And then every day, around 4 o'clock, it would subside. Every year in February, mid-February, the actual temperature, this is not wind chill, This was actual temperature, and the temperature would get to 50 to 55 degrees, actual temperature below zero. (laughs) We would get announcements on the radio, wrap your face, do not breathe through your lungs, because you could frostbite your lungs, to take short breaths through your nose. And don't exert yourself. And we would get into the heated buildings. And all of us with these scarves. And we had long icicles hanging from our nostrils. (laughs) And we all looked kind of silly. Uh, But the weather was vivid. And I've seen it snow in Laramie. I've seen it snow in July. Now, please, not in Laramie itself, but out, you know, a few miles out at yeah. snow, snowy range. Mm-hmm. And it would snow. I've seen it snow in September. What are your thoughts on becoming a grandfather? I'm excited. I'm excited for my son and his lovely wife, Kate. It is their first child. 
And it's just exciting. It's an exciting addition to the family. These are the best of times. And we're looking forward to the baby. They know it's a boy. They do not want to share the name of the child with anybody in the family. (laughs) But we should find out shortly. Soon enough, yeah. I sure hope it is my favorite name, Julius. So we'll see. Any parting words or thoughts about KUWR, your involvement, your time and place in 1967, 1966, 67, when it launched? Anything that you want to add? It couldn't have been more exciting, uh, exhilarating. And again, I had no broadcast experience. I was so nervous the first night I went on the air. But I overcame it, and I had a nice following. Uh, and it, it fond memories to this day. I have lost contact with all of us that were involved the first year. But the memories, uh, they don't go away. Okay, so that interview with my dad, Eric Berman, and the following testimonial with my dad, Eric Berman, that's about to come up here in a moment, were both recorded last year, and I produced them to send to KUWR, who occasionally do a deep dive into their own history and try to get stories and testimonials from people who were involved in the radio station over the decades. So this was a lot of fun, and I know that it brought a big smile to my dad's face. So enjoy his testimonial on his experiences helping to launch KUWR, which is what became Wyoming Public Radio. My name is Eric Berman in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, and I was part of the first year of the radio station. On air, I was known as Leonard B. Fox. I'm not certain why I I changed my name. I just did it for fun and to be different. That summer, I was working in freshman orientation where high school students would come and pre-register for fall classes. In the student union, we would take the last night and we would do a hootenanny uh, with singing and all kinds of fun things. And I was a stand-up comedian. Our program was broadcast throughout the entire student union, and I came to the attention of our major professor and leader, John McMullen, and the guys putting on the radio station uh, for the first time. Everybody had radio experience. I had none. They thought I would be an on-air personality at night. I was in studio on September 14, 1966, at 4 o'clock in the afternoon, When we signed on, Alan Bowker was our first announcer. We were the second FM station in the state, the other being in Cheyenne. The original call letters were KMPS, Campus Radio, and the FCC would not give us that designation. Thus, we became KUWR, University of Wyoming Radio. 
now we have an FM station, but none or few of the students had FM radios. The station's power was 10 watts, and so some local people could gain our signal, listen to our, our program. Not many people know this, but it, there is a network of tunnels, a tunnel system that runs underneath the entire campus, and it was used primarily for delivering food to the dorms in inclement weather and mechanical wiring and so on. And the technical people putting together the radio station wired the entire campus, every building, through the tunnel that allowed an AM signal to be in the buildings and people could listen to us on their AM radio and for much enjoyment. We did some fun programming. My late-night program, how original, The Tonight Show was the name. I went on the air at 11.30 at night, and we signed off at 2.30 a.m. And we just had fun. We had quizzes. We did some silly things. I look back, maybe stupid things. For example, we, we would interview the weather, and we would go out on the roof of the student union. We would have the weather forecast. And one Friday night before a Wyoming football game, we're announcing the forecast, and the forecast called for a huge drunken cloud coming to Laramie, a pre-football game. We had fun with that. We broadcast Wyoming football home games. Uh, I did the color. My friend Ray Hunkins was the play-by-play announcer. There was no room for us in the press box, so we broadcast from the roof of the press box. It was cold and windy. The wind would swirl around the microphones, what to do, and we finally got the courage to ask one of the sororities for some falsies to cover the mics. The following year, they found space for us in the press box, uh, much to our relief. We did some serious programming, too, We did a program called Third Ear, where we would interview political figures, professors, interesting students. John McMullen was the moderator, and we taped those programs. Maybe the tapes are are still around. This program would stand up today to today's standards. It was that good, that engaging. We called John McMullen... Uncle Mac, not to his face, of course. He was a Indiana University graduate in communications and broadcasting, and he got a gig on a children's afternoon television program where he was the clown. Ergo, he was known as Uncle Mac. Come Christmas time, the first year, we decided to do something colorful. And we strung Christmas lights on the tower, the guy wires, and we created what we thought was the tallest Christmas tree in America. We called the New York Times and said that this is what we had accomplished, and they thought they might print it, maybe a picture of it. And they were very kind and understanding. They said, New York Times, all the news that's fit to print, were not really interested in the tallest Christmas tree in America. That first year, the NCAA basketball tournament 
Wyoming had a good team. We ended up in the NCAA finals in Corvallis, Oregon. And we played UCLA. We got creamed. They had a player known as Lou Alcindor, better known to us today as Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. It was an eventful first year. The university hired a new president, John King, who arrived with great fanfare. Turned out to be he was overmatched, and come spring, he was fired. The end of the year, we wanted to produce a 33 and a third record, a year to remember. Uncle Mac got wind of our plan, did not encourage us, and we said we were pulling together the tapes of the events of the first year. We went ahead anyway and produced a 33 and a third record. Mercury Records in California produced it for us. And we were very proud of our our efforts. We put our own money into the production and very memorably, we lost $435.50 each. We produced the record and went to John McMullen's house. And I've never seen a professor more proud of his students than he was that night. And we listened to the record. I want to think that we moved the meter that first year. No, I'm going to restate that. We did move the meter that first year. It was one of the best years ever. It was a year to remember. You know, the same day that we told my dad that we were pregnant is the same day that he told us that he had cancer. And the prevailing fear was that he wouldn't live long enough to meet his grandchild. But he did. And he lived long enough to not just meet our son Thaddeus, he lived long enough to enjoy our son Thaddeus, who just turned 10 months old. So I'm glad that I have these to share with Thaddeus when he's older. And I am uh, honored, really, to share this with all of the listeners of the Berman Hour podcast. So thank you for your support. Thank you for your patience. Thank you for a willingness to listen to, you know, the funny ramblings of, uh, of old man Berman, who will be dearly, dearly missed. So I love you, Dad. Thank you. Thank you to all of the listeners, and be well.